Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is and always will be our top priority. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus. Built with the zero landfill promise, all waste is recycled or reused with more at PrestigeSubaru.com. RomanticAsheville.com. Create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Plan your next getaway to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains by visiting RomanticAsheville.com. Nest Realty and Realtor Janet Oppenheimer. A senior resource specialist, Janet serves the Asheville, North Carolina area. Visit nestrealty.com and look for your trusted mountain community advisor, Janet Oppenheimer. And by Asheville Farms. Unlock the potential CBD has in your life with Western North Carolina's premier supplier of high-quality hemp and CBD products. Visit our store at 28 North Lexington Avenue in Asheville and by visiting AshevilleHempFarmsNC.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, welcome to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and you're listening right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website, that's speakingoftravel.net, and on all major podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, and Amazon. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive travel news and travel tips, and you'll become acquainted with people who take their roots with them everywhere they go. My guest today is Lance Henson, a member of the Cheyenne Nation of Oklahoma, a poet, cultural activist, and a teacher. And Lance, welcome to Speaking of Travel. Thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. So, Lance, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about your uh, your backstory, how you became a poet, an activist, and a teacher, being a, a member of the Cheyenne Nation. Give us a little backstory on what it was like for you when you were growing up, where you grew up, and if you traveled when you were a kid. I was... <laughs> I was born in a military hospital in Washington, D.C. My mother was a victim of the boarding schools, and uh, she was uh, taken from her, our reserve in Oklahoma and put in a, a Catholic school in Kansas. And uh, uh, my aunts and uncles were also there, and my mother broke. She, they defeated her spirit for for a while and she, she uh, 
when she left that that boarding school, she went to New York and uh, was one of the first Cheyenne women to attend college, uh, Hunter College in New York. She was recruited out of Hunter College by the U.S. Navy and worked in an, in an intelligence facility during the Second World War. I was born during this time and she couldn't take care of me, so I had an aunt who was an army nurse stationed at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. She called her and my aunt came to get me. And so my first traveling experience was as a newborn uh, from uh, that military hospital to Oklahoma. In Oklahoma, I was raised by a great aunt and uncle who in the Cheyenne women were my grandparents. And uh, they were members of the uh, Native American Church, which is an, an organized uh, religion that is accepted by uh, the American government. And it use, uh, uses the sacrament peyote in its ceremony. It's a dusk to dawn ceremony. So my early experiences with uh, I was three years old. My early experiences with with uh, sort of spiritual journeying happened in that teepee, in the Cheyenne teepee in the Native American church meeting. And um, I saw things there that created a kind of, well, <laughs> a quizzical mind because I couldn't, I couldn't really explained it wasn't explained to me what I was seeing uh, so consequently I grew up seeing um, things in nature and recognizing their power and energy and what I would do I mean I grew up in a household that didn't have any books uh, the Cheyenne language is oral tradition and that's the language that was spoken so when I began, uh, like first grade, and I would bring the bus home, and uh, my grandparents would be waiting in the porch, and I would come up, and they'd say, "Well, where have you been?" And uh, I began to tell them stories about where I wanted to go, and they were, you know, a child wandering about New York and Chicago and places like that. So I'd make up these stories about traveling there, and my grandparents would listen, and, and and smile and, and sort of agree. And then in high school, uh, I was a sort of taken under the wing of an English teacher who realized my ability to write. And she loaned me books, uh, Hemingway's A Movable Feast about his life in Italy, where I subsequently live now, and other writers that, uh, that filled me with this desire to to travel, and my people are are still the nomadic people in our in our uh, unconscious. Uh, in fact, my grandmother, who whose daughter placed her in a nursing home, when I went to see her the first time, she wanted me to get something out of her closet of the nurse in the nursing home or she, in the room. And I opened the, the closet door and it was full of tied together 
blanket clothes. All her clothes were tied together. And there were many bundles there of beadwork and other things. Her her belongings were all in that closet tied in bundles. And when I asked her uh, what the bundles were for, she said, oh, that's my, those are my my suitcases. Uh, I I adhere to the old tradition, nomadic tradition of, tra of, of traveling. And I keep to remind myself of who we of who we are, I have the my clothing wrapped in bags. So all of those things uh, were instrumental in my longing to to travel. Well, did you find that when you finally were able to have an opportunity to travel that you knew where you wanted to go? Or was that already something that had been uh, planned? How did, what was the first uh, venture out? Well, uh, <laughs> I was a Marine in 1966 to 68. So, I'm not really proud of that traveling, so I don't want to talk about it. Um, but uh, I was always uh, traveling within the state of Oklahoma. I had an aunt who was a, a nurse that my aunt became a hospital nurse in Durant, Oklahoma, which is 180 miles away. So I, I would uh, journey there and began college there and drafted in the Marines. Uh, I began to really travel when my first book was published. I was a sophomore in college. I was out of the Marines uh, and uh, working uh, in a funeral home, actually, when my first book was published. When that book was published, it it sort of catapulted me into this... Um, genre of being a Native American writer. So I would be still, I was still in college, but I would be invited to, to read in, in places out of the state of Oklahoma and flying to Kansas and, and you know, uh, St. Saint, Saint Missouri and places to read poems. So my traveling really began uh, there and uh, hasn't stopped. I I have uh, been a traveler and speaking about ancestral traveling, in our ceremonies we do not uh, perceive that we are a permanent residence of the state of Oklahoma where we were forced after the 40-year uh, war where we struggled to save basically our lives and the environment Buffalo. Well, Lance, when we come back, I'd like to talk more about that and that journey that you've been on for such a long time and how the writing started to percolate for you when you were a pretty young, a young man. So I want to thank you for being here on Speaking of Travel, and I'm looking forward to, to talking to you more. This is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel, and I'm here today with Lance Henson. He's a member of the Cheyenne Nation of Oklahoma, a poet, 
cultural activist, a teacher, and so much more. And we'll be right back. Traveling to new places is good for everybody, but sometimes travel can be challenging. The good news is there are products available that can put your traveling concerns at ease. Unlock the potential CBD has in your life with Western North Carolina's premier supplier of high-quality hemp and CBD products. Visit our store at 28 North Lexington Avenue in Asheville and by visiting AshevilleHempFarmsNC.com. Green is good. Local food, less oil. Renewable energy, sustainable peace. Tree hugger. Say no to GMOs. Be kind to animals, don't eat them. Go solar. Coexist. Don't buy a dog, rescue one. Keep Asheville weird. We just read the bumper stickers on the back of a Subaru. Welcome to Subiville. Prestige Subaru, on the web at PrestigeSubaru.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold... Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Lance Henson. He's a member of the Cheyenne Nation of Oklahoma and a poet, an activist, a cultural activist, a teacher. And Lance, thank you so much for being on Speaking of Travel today and and giving us that lovely backstory of how uh, how you started traveling. And I wanted to ask you, uh, you were talking about when you were first writing poetry in college. How did that start working for you? Did you suddenly have a time of uh, contemplation where you started having these words coming into your thoughts? When I was a senior in high school, uh, Calumet High School, a total population of maybe 180 students in the small town of Calumet, just situated uh, central western Oklahoma. It's a community that when I was growing up, uh, there were no fences. uh, And consequently, uh, we were a horse people, horse people at that time. And by the time I was 15, I had five horses. So my activity as a teenager in high school had a lot to do with riding horses. I ride horses to school sometimes. Instead of the bus, because it was short, it's a shortcut to crossing the North Canadian River to Calumet. And uh, so the idea of freedom basically was, was one of the strongest avenues I had about my identity. And the ceremonies also were were over time uh, very convincing about how unusual my life was as a, as a Cheyenne person. And when I was in university, uh, my first, uh, I'd flunked out of three universities in Oklahoma simply because I had no interest. I just wanted to you know, work for a living, as my grandmother would say. 
and be a student. So when when I uh, finally settled after the after the experience of the Marines, I was serious about education and was single and basically hiding in in this small liberal arts college, Oklahoma College of Liberal Arts in Chickasha, Oklahoma, that was peopled by a lot of veterans. And, and we, of course, shared many things in common, hung out together in bars and there were fights and, you know, it was a, it was a, a real growing, growing up experience in the Western world for me. And, um, I would go home on, on weekends and, and be with my grandparents, but principally uh, as a student, uh, I began to really pay attention to the literary world. And I had a, a, a professor named Jerry Holt, who uh, was a primary influence in, in my life as a not only a student, but uh, as a human being, he taught a film course as well. And I was fortunate enough to meet uh, Sam Peckinpah, the the American director, who's a renegade American director who who directed the only X-rated film, X-rated Western, <laughs> ever designated in the early uh, uh, early seventies. Sam Peckinpah. Anyway. Um, what happened was uh, I was living basically on bologna and beer and had a little apartment in an alley and I would come in from the bars and uh, I'd sit down by this kerosene stove and I'd write I'd write on on paper sacks uh, I didn't have a note I had a notebook but I, I wrote I just wrote images and I had a psychology professor who who noticed that I had was living a kind of renegade existence. Pulled me aside and said, "What What do you want out of your life? What are you doing?" I said, "Well, I'm writing." And he said, "Do you want to be a writer?" And I, I told him, "I think I am." He said, "Bring me some poems." So I, in a in an envelope, I bundled all these things up and took them to him. And within within nine months, my first book was published by a press in uh, Pennsylvania, Keeper of Arrows, which is a rare book now, published in 1971. And there, there, when I was a student, and the same is true for my generation of Native writers, there was no uh, Native American literature in our university libraries. We created it. And I didn't really understand the dyna dynamics of all that. I only knew that I was pleased to be known uh, as a young poet. And as I said before, uh, it was um, it was a, a wonderful time to be alive in the in the, in the fact that we were dealing with a a genre that didn't exist, and we're participating openly in in traveling and talking about our tribes, uh, our people, and most of us speak 
my generation spoke the tribal language we were from. So it was a, an unusual existence that, that I thoroughly enjoyed. And um, the stories began then, you know, that the stories of travel that would, that would be in the poetry that I write, and that has continued, of course, poets. Poets must travel and experience the world to write what they see and feel and hear. And it's been my great fortune to live as a poet. I have done nothing else, but. And, and you have an, a number of books and, and poetry books and other things. Did it just become uh, just a part of this fluid being with you that words would come, images would come, you would start to travel more, and it just became, this was the inertia of what was, what was propelling you into the world? Absolutely. Uh, I, I began to, after my first book, uh, Harper and Rowe, that had never published uh, a Native American author, had published in Scott Mamaday, the Kiowa author, and his book, House Made of Dawn, won the, uh, was won the uh, Pulitzer Prize. And he was the first Native American to win a, a literary prize. And that flung the door open for, for writers, most of us still in university. Um, it had, you know, I, uh, when I spoke with him and asked him if he could advise me about how I should live my life as a poet, and he said, well, Lance, write, travel, write. And I have done so uh, to the point that, well, I mean, uh, my traveling, uh, for instance, on the Hopi Reservation, I was giving given information about America's, and I don't know where they got it, America's plan to neutralize uh, South American governments for the fossil fuels, Heritage Foundation. So I delivered a lecture at the University of Genoa. My, my uh, Mama Day's book, House Made of Dawn, was published by uh, an Italian professor in Milan. It became a bestseller. The second book that this professor chose was one of my books, Another Song for America. And it was a high honor for me to to have a bestseller in Italy. So I they, I was flown I was invited and flown over to introduce this book in, in most of the major universities in Italy. And um, then I received this information from the Hopi Nation when I was working there as a poet in the schools. I delivered the information on this project by the Heritage Foundation at the University of Genoa and was then invited to, to do the same paper at the UN in Geneva at the Working Group on Indigenous Population. So I was sort of, I mean, it was a, a marvelous thing. And then I became involved with Suiza Comindios, the Native Support Group 
indigenous support group in Switzerland in working for them. And because I had traveled to New Guinea and to Singapore and to Thailand and Malaysia as a poet. And so these experiences gave me a whole other world to consider, but always only as a uh, witness. And that's what I do today. I have smuggled, uh, I did smuggle books behind the Berlin Wall twice with the assistance, at the suggestion and assistance of a journalist living in West Berlin. So I've been doing this kind of work all my life. Well, Lance, when we come back, I want to pick up right there because just hearing you tell this story is like poetry in motion. And I am looking forward to being able to find out how you've been able to continue doing that, making such an impact in this world. And again, I want to thank you so much. Is there a website that you have that people can find out more information about you? Yes type my name into Google. Uh, I was involved with a great friend uh, in Queens, New York. She created a web site for me called Songs from Two Worlds. And that website has uh, been sort of retired as she uh, is, is pleading with me to find somebody else to take it up because she's uh, become too busy and uh, to, to, to take care of it. So I, hopefully somebody will. Well, Lance Henson is L-A-N-C-E-H-E-N-S-O-N. And we will be right back to hear more from Lance and hear some of his poetry as well. So stay tuned. Whether you're traveling to points near or far or traveling on a life journey, every transition is an opportunity regardless of your stage of life. If you, a family member, or a loved one is looking to downsize, retire, or buy or sell a home, contact your trusted Mountain Community Advisor, Janet Oppenheimer, from Nest Realty in Asheville. As a senior real estate specialist, Janet will help and guide you through any life transition one step at a time. Contact Janet at nestrealty.com today, helping you find that perfect home to fit your next journey. Nest Realty. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here with Lance Henson. Lance is a member of the Cheyenne Nation of Oklahoma, and Lance, you're speaking to us today from Oklahoma. Is that correct? That's correct. So let's talk a little bit about your heritage as a member of the Cheyenne tribe and how that influenced uh, your poetry. There's so much in that you were talking about the, the oral language and the oral storytelling. Just give Give us an idea of kind of how all these generations where you are and all the changes that happened over all these years to to your people, how has that actually influenced 
how your poetry is projected, the way that you do it? How, how has all that been taken into your being to create the poetry that comes out of you? Oh, that's a wonderful question. First of all, the, my people uh, are actually uh, Cheyenne's historical name only. As you know, for the Cherokee, they have their own Shalaki, you know, their, their tribal name in reality. We suffered the same misnaming, and uh, the Cheyenne, in fact, the word Cheyenne is not uh, in our language. It's a Lakota word that means people who speak a strange tongue. And this word was spoken to the uh, Lewis and Clark expedition when they were hired to map the Wild West. And we wouldn't, meet, we wouldn't talk to them. And so they asked the, the Lakota people who we were, and they said, oh, they're, they're, the, uh, they're the Cheyenne. And in their, in their language, it means people who speak a strange language. So our name for ourselves is Tzitzitas, and it means the human beings. And what I have learned in traveling uh, to indigenous communities around the world is that they basically have the same name, simply human beings. And the Tzitzitas uh, language is not doesn't exist in the past or future. It exists now. It is spoken now and like some other uh, indigenous languages, now is what we have. And uh, our past, we consider to be sacred and we carry it with us. And its living memory resides not only in our lives, but in the way we participate in ceremonial life. Prayer is a huge given in Cheyenne life. And in my particular clan, the Atomatone or Dog Soldier clan, we are not allowed to pray for ourselves, which is, I think, one of the most beautiful aspects of being a human being is that to know that other people pray for us because we, we cannot pray for ourselves. The Tzitzitas people uh, do not have a concept of heaven or hell. This uh, life lived must be lived in accordance with, with tradition and ceremony. And we, we attempt to, to be the Cheyenne people that our ancestors were. And this is my obligation as a poet is to pay homage to all of that when I write and to the beauty and sustenance I have seen in the indigenous world where I have traveled. So when you talk about nomadic memory being in, a, in an earlier life, how does that imagery translate for you when you're writing your poetry, do you use your native language throughout as you're writing? How, how does it come through you and then onto the pen and onto the paper? When one considers his or her history sacred, it gives meaning to everything around us. And I 
write a lot about nature, observing nature, being in nature, paying homage to the animal life that surrounds us, the water life, the bird life. And I carry the Cheyenne name given to me by my, by my grandfather. And this fusion of a world that is so different from the world that I live in, the Western world, uh, was for a long time a point of uh, anger for me that things could not be the way I perceived they should be, that people, and today, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> with the world changing uh, the way it has and the, dis the disrespect people have for the earth and for one another, uh, doesn't surprise me, but it, it does anger me. But my anger is focused not toward violence, but toward uh, peace. And out of this life way comes poetry. I dream poems. I see movements uh, because among my people, paranormal is normal. And uh, through the medicine way that, that I have learned and earned and been given, I graciously accept the fact that I live a haunted life and that hauntedness uh, lives with me constantly and has made me, uh, as one of my poems says, uh, <laughs> my medicine has grown strange and wild, let me pass, I'm taking care of you. That basically sums up what I've been saying. Well, when we come back from the break, Lance, I'd like to hear some of your poetry and and have you give us an idea of what it is that is coming out and how you are focusing this, I would say, otherworldly. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that it's otherworldly when you talk about paranormal versus normal, right? Yeah, just it's the part of the world I live in. Well, when we come back, we're going to hear Lance, and he's going to share some of his poetry. So stay tuned. This is Marilyn Ball, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Tina Kinsey with Asheville Regional Airport, and I have a travel tip for you today. You've probably heard me say this before. Travelers contact me all the time and they wonder how early they should arrive at the airport for their flight. And I always say arrive two hours prior to your departure time, always. Three hours if you're flying internationally. And this is more important now than ever, as the numbers of air travelers is at an all-time high at Asheville Regional Airport. It's important to allow time for everything involved in getting to your flight. Things like possible traffic on the way to the airport. And we all know that there is traffic in our area. Finding a parking spot. Your only option might be a remote lot served by an airport shuttle. And that shuttling process can take some time. Checking in at the ticket counter and checking your luggage, going through security and making your way to the gate. All of these things add up. And anxiety levels can spike when time is running short and you still have a few of these things on your list to accomplish. So leave ample time and your trip will start smoothly. For more information about Asheville Regional Airport, including answers to many frequently asked questions, visit flyavl.com. 
Why not make the most of the beautiful winter season and plan your next vacation or staycation to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains? Create your perfect winter wonderland adventure in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Not just for couples, RomanticAsheville.com is a 900-page online guide covering a nearly 100-mile radius around Asheville, North Carolina. There are so many special places and awe-inspiring vistas around nearly every corner. And this is the perfect time to create safe and memorable adventures across Western North Carolina. Visit RomanticAsheville.com today. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Lance Henson. And Lance, as a member of the Cheyenne Nation, you're a poet, uh, you've done so much with um, teaching. You were talking about being a, a professor and teaching and writing. Really, the traveling is such a big part of who you are and, and what you do. Let's talk a little bit about how your travels kind of integrate into your writing and into your poetry. Okay, but I, would, I need to mention my daughter uh, is 22 years old. She's with Cheyenne. She's a member. Uh, she has a CDIB with her tribe in Oklahoma. She's a traveler. She traveled with me for a month last June, then attended the Sundance in Oklahoma, and then went to Mexico to Belize. Now she's in Guatemala on a pilgrimage. She's a 22-year-old uh, nurse, psychiatric nurse and an amazing traveler already. Yes. Uh, I would like to uh, read a poem about Oklahoma. I I worked in 500 schools as a poet in the school, working for the National Endowment for the Arts, just out of when I graduated from Tulsa University with a master's degree. And I was headed toward a school in eastern Oklahoma among the, the five tribes area uh, on a mountain road. It was Sunday night. And I was headed toward a motel, check in to work at the local, at the school there. And this happened. It's called Miniature. In the memoried things within me, rain falling upon the mountains of eastern Oklahoma on Sunday night, on a dark road, I passed the body of a dead black angel, its loose wing lifting and falling in a strong wind at the side of the road. Um, I was on a train traveling from Milan to some place in Germany, to, oh no, to Vienna, an overnight train. And I, I, was, I got into the train car by myself and then was joined by uh, a mother, a son, and a daughter with bundles. And when I saw those bundles, I knew they were escaping from somewhere. And um, so as the train journeyed into the night, uh, I began a conversation with the young lady. Her name is Danielle Milicic. 
she too wanted to be she wanted to be a poet she showed me her notebook of poems most of them and many of them about her friends and she said i don't know if i'll see them again we left sarajevo when it was being bombed and so this poem happened trilogy on an italian train for danielle militic we watched out the train window our faces brushing the night landscape that passed in its hurried way beyond the glass somewhere in italy your notebook a shimmering voice of passion in your words whispering as only the hunted can whisper it is the dark's own leaping out of our mouths from under our shoes in the pieces of light in a dense forest and we learn to say goodbye to things we love it is still winter in your voice she said i lit a cigar and watched the world's sadness drifting through her eyes in america at the edge of a freeway a man is holding a torn cup filled with darkness it is a kind of darkness i have seen before so lance when you're when you're writing as these words are coming out on the imagery of what you've seen you know just hearing the the words is very emotional it's very deep how do you feel do you feel like you've had some kind of out of body experience even when when you've uh, just witnessed something that is that is just so random and then turn it into something that is so deep and rich and and ongoing these stories find people if they look for them and um i i had a wonderful uh meeting after 40 years with a texas writer the way i knew him when he was a student at oklahoma state university he's now written a, a, a very wonderful book on sam peck and lost life anyway these poetry is something that i gave my life to and it gave itself to me so I could enjoy the and relish moments of uniqueness that are around me, the uniqueness in people, the uniqueness of their courage. Um, and I, I find today that that is so needed in the world, people to also witness the beauty of their life how, and how difficult it must be to struggle against the forces that don't want. Well, Lance, I can't thank you enough for being here on Speaking of Travel and sharing your life and your words with us. And these are the kinds of stories, these are the kind of words and messages and poetry that, like you said, we all need to hear right now and to, uh, to be able to perhaps look within ourselves and see, uh, see the beauty and the and the darkness that's out there and and pray for everybody else oh absolutely thank you thank you well thank you to lance for being here today on speaking of travel and i just want you all to know before we go just how important it is to recharge and take a breather and and just relax close your eyes and just get some imagery going you know this is the perfect time for a little getaway to collect yourselves and regroup so plan now because remember life is short don't postpone joy 